open up our Bibles now to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, to see how we are raised with Christ. That's the purpose for Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. It wasn't just supposed to be a holiday, though I'm so thankful for it, but it's meant to be life-transforming. And so I want you to open up to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1, and I think you will see there that Paul ties it together for us. And if you don't have it on a phone or a Bible in your hand, look here at the karaoke screen. Paul is speaking here, and listen to what he says. He says, as for you, he's talking to people that are in this church, people like me, people like you. He says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. How many of you know that at one point you were dead in your transgressions and sins? We were all born sinners, and because of that, we were dead on the inside, separated from God. Let me me remind you, if I could, of the story of the Garden of Eden. We are made not only physically alive, but we're also spiritually alive. And the spiritual mindset was more important than the physical mindset. That's why when they sinned, they then realized, "Uh uh-oh, we're naked. Why didn't they realize they were naked before? Because their spiritual life was more important than their physical life. But how many know now that we have sinned and we're dead on the inside, separated from God, more people care about their physical life than they do their spiritual life? Can I get an amen? So often everybody's looking at what they can do for their body, what they can do for their house, all of these material things, which are good in their place, but they can never make the dead spirit alive. That's why Jesus had to come as a man, the God-man, Son of God in the flesh, to take our sins on in the flesh and die so that we might live. So if you're here today and you haven't been born again, being given a second chance at life, not a physical rebirth. We're not talking about reincarnation. We're talking about a spiritual new you coming on the inside. If that hasn't happened yet, you are still dead in your transgressions. I was dead in my transgressions until November 5th, 1995. That day is the day I accepted the gospel and believed in Jesus. And the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus wasn't just an historical event. It became the reality of my life. I died with Jesus on the cross. My sins were taken and buried. And then as he rose from the dead, I had a new life. Can I hear an amen? As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Now, this doesn't mean every sinner is demon-possessed with El Diablo, but what it means is sinners do in this world what the devil wants. Think of spirit there as team spirit. When you go to a Cubs game and they're winning, I don't even care if you're a Sox fan. You get excited because everybody else is excited. I've been at Buffalo Wild Wings while a team is winning, whether it's the Blackhawks or whatever, and the whole place is erupting, and I get excited 
just because everybody else is excited. And that's the same thing that happens in the world through the spirit of Satan. He gets everybody excited about homosexuality and we put it on TV and we get excited because if we don't, we're hateful bigots. Now we have to support this sin and then we have to support desperate housewives and it's so exciting to have adultery. Isn't it fun? And all of a sudden you look at your young people and they're following little Wayne and they're following this and that and then you're looking at your life and the trends you're following and you don't even know why you are the way you are. It's because you're going with the current of the team spirit of the world. And the Bible says we all were like that. I didn't even know why I wanted to be like Cypress Hill, the rappers from the 90s. But I wanted to wear beanies, have a goatee, hoop earrings, have on some boots, you know, and then wear baggy pants and smoke weed. Why wasn't I speaking Hindi? Why wasn't I listening to Bollywood music? Why? Because I wasn't in the spirit of India. I was in the spirit of an American rebellious generation. So you're not as original as you think you are. Whether or not you choose to follow God determines who you are following as opposed to God. There aren't five options. There's only one other option. That's the spirit of the air, the devil. And that spirit is still at work in people. It just got real, didn't it? Welcome to church. He said in verse 3, all of us lived among them at one time. Maybe you didn't have confusion over homosexuality. Maybe you weren't robbing and stealing. But look at your life. Gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. When we were sinners, were we following the commands of God? Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not lie. Thou shalt obey your mother and father. Thou shalt not covet. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Were we obeying those commands? Certainly not. We put things before God all the time, and he said, don't have idols. We would put the Sunday game before God. Come on, fellas. We would commit adultery in our hearts and minds by lusting after each other. We would commit covetousness and just call it being on our Twitter feed, hating on people. The world has gotten so ingrained in all of us that until we're born again, we don't understand that by nature we deserve the wrath of God. You know, we're pretty good sinners. We're not like a Hitler kind of sinner. We're just kind of like, a, like an Oprah Winfrey kind of sinner. And so there's different kinds of sinners on Judgment Day. There's the places where murderers go, and then there's a, a, a purgatory maybe just for people who tell white lies every now and then and put wrong social security card uh, numbers on their taxes. They're, they're just a, they're, we don't go to hell. That's not really a lie. And we don't understand all of us, like the rest, were by nature deserving of wrath. Your lies deserve wrath. Your adultery, lust deserves wrath. Your covetousness deserves wrath, just like me, just like the rest of us. He is so clear here, no one escapes down the I'm a good person road. You don't get to go down that road. Why? Because you've told lies. You've taken things that don't belong to you. You've lusted in your heart. You have blasphemed. Think about how many times you've said OMG and didn't mean to give glory to God, but you use it as a flippant saying. And so we all stand as sinners before God. Somebody say, that's why he died. See, that's why Jesus died for sin. 
Not because we just were okay people that needed a little bit of help. We were 90% good. And just that little 10% we were bad, Jesus had to come and die. No, the Son of God left heaven and his throne and let us beat him, take out his beard, whip him 39 times, not for your little cute sins, but because you deserve the Father's wrath. That's why he died for me. My Savior died for my sins. I don't even just see it as your sins. When I look to the cross, I am not thinking about every other sinner in this world. When I look to that cross, I see my Savior dying for my lies, my disobedience, my rebellion. My blasphemy, my idolatry. That's the gospel. And it's just the beginning. Somebody say it gets better. Because in verse 4 he said, But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace you've been saved. Even when all of us were filthy in his sight, with, if we would have been there as men, we would have been the Roman soldiers crucifying him. If you would have been there as a woman, you would have been the one mocking and spitting on him. But yet he died for us when we were sinners to show his great love. He didn't die for you because you did something to impress him. He didn't die for you because you had potential. You just got so much potential. Just believe in yourself. He didn't die for your, your self-will. I've got so much willpower. Look, I lift weights every now and then. I transform my body. i got so much willpower. How about using your willpower to stop being so selfish and self-centered? And selfie idolatry. We don't see our pride in others, do we? We only see it. We don't see it in ourselves. We only see it in others. The biggest lies and the most often lies we tell are the ones we tell ourselves. And yet God said, while you were that sinner, I died for you. See, the good news in the death of Jesus Christ is I don't need Father Tom to be my mediator anymore. I don't need to pray five times towards a pagan temple somewhere in Saudi Arabia. This is good news because there is only one God and one mediator between God and man, and that is Jesus Christ who hung on that cross for me. That's why I don't have to come here dressed up to impress you because my clothes, my preaching will never save you. Only one died for you and rose again can save you and that's Jesus Christ. You better get in touch with him. Be real with him. There are a lot of religious people in hell today because they did not trust in Jesus. They believed in what a man said. They believed in what a religion said. They believed in a false hope. Listen to me. If you were on the Titanic and it was going down, it didn't matter if you were in the ballroom dressed to the nines or if you were in the cafeteria cleaning up the garbage on everybody's plate. If you didn't get out on a lifeboat, you were going to die that day. And my friend, it doesn't matter how you dress up your sinful self it doesn't matter the education that you find in this world it doesn't matter all the friends and popularity you have you are on a sinking ship and you will die without Christ but he's reaching his arms to you today 
The right arm of the Lord has been revealed through Jesus Christ, saying, be saved. Look at verse 6. And God raised us up with Christ. What is today? Easter, also Resurrection Sunday. And so that means he didn't stay dead in that grave. I have respect for all kinds of beliefs. You want to believe in SpongeBob? You can believe in him if you want. You want to believe in Mecca and Muhammad? You can believe that. But I'm going to tell you what. Buddha, dead, still in the grave. Muhammad, dead, still in the grave. My Jesus got up three days later, ascended to heaven, and is there right now. I suggest you follow that man. Because the one who came from heaven couldn't be held in the depths of the graves. He was raised and went back to heaven. That's why I don't need any other saint to intercede for me. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father waiting for you to pray to him. He raised us up with Christ, seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Remember, the world is following the spirit of the devil. They're going with the current of the world. Well, just as much of that as it's true of a spiritual reality of evil, and we see it every day in Chicago, whether it's on the news or with our neighbors or in traffic, we know that this world is wicked. As real as that is, there is another spiritual reality for the people of God who've been born again we're going against the current and we're in heavenly places with Jesus just as my spirit is in a body and with you right now the Holy Spirit is also with my spirit and God is the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit the Father and the Son seated on thrones in heaven. But 50 days later after the resurrection of Jesus, after that is the festival of Pentecost. In the book of Acts, it says that Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to be with the disciples. He taught them in John 14, 15, and 16 that the Holy Spirit would come inside of all of us. And therefore, where the Holy Spirit would be, He would be also. How many have the Holy Spirit on the inside of them today? How many of you could say to yourself, I am the temple of the Holy Spirit? Men and women used to worship God in temples made of brick and stone. But after Jesus died on the cross, he says there is a transformation of worship. The temple is no longer an inanimate object. It is now people. And by the Holy Spirit, we are in heavenly realms. Why does he do this? Look at verse 7. In order that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Everyone look up at me, please. Just like Steve did today with the teenagers and spoke on their behalf and said, this is a testimony for this young lady. This is a testimony for this young man. That's what's going to happen on Judgment Day. God is literally going to lift us up as trophies of his grace. And he's going to say to the devil, devil! You see this one here? You thought you defiled them. You thought that you had ruined their life. Devil, you thought that they would rebel against me like you did. But devil, they willingly chose me, called on my name. Now they are a trophy of what I can do. What you meant for harm and destruction, I turned for their good. And they will go down the line of each one of us. And we will be the trophies of his is inexpressible, incomparable grace. It's expressed to us in Jesus. 
Today, those of us who are born again are, are the trophies of God's grace on our job. You, you are actually the closest to heaven that some people will ever get. You represent God's kingdom. You represent a changed life. Resurrection life is not just for us to celebrate. It's for us to live out tomorrow. For the world to look at us and say, there's something different about you. When we all get drunk, you don't go out with us. Why? When we all wanted to lie on these numbers with the accounting and to fudge them so our, our, our stocks would go up, you didn't want to do that. Why? When we all backbited about our manager, you walked away. Why? When we got mad in traffic, you didn't get mad with us. Why? We can say, because God has loved me. And changed me. Look at verse 8, and I want all of us to read it together. It's the famous passage of Paul. Verse 8, for it is by grace. Are you ready? One, two, three. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. The gift of God is to us today. The gift of God is for everyone. That's why I want you to know you can't save yourself. Everybody look up at me as we get ready to close. If we went on a plane together and someone was there and they had a parachute on and you started to look at them a little strange like, man, what's wrong with you? And if all they said to you was, well, I wanted to wear this because this is what's hip, this is what's cool, it's in fashion, you would probably think they were crazy and if they said, hey, do you want to put it on? You would say, no, I'm just fine. I mean, I don't need to wear a parachute to be cool. I trust the pilot. Everything seems to be going fine today. And you look really uncomfortable. You can't really go all the way back. You're hunched over. No, thank you. But imagine if you were on one of those planes when the 101st Airborne flew over Normandy and began to start jumping out of the plane to do battle. You would make sure you would have that parachute on. You would make sure no matter how uncomfortable it was, you would have it on. Because for you, it's your lifeline. It makes all the difference. And see, I want to give you this now in real day expression. Some of you think Christianity is to be cute. We go to church to be cute. We bring our kids here so they'll be better people. And you don't understand. Christianity will cost you something. People will look at you weird. And if your only expression to them is, well, I'm just doing it because I was raised this way. And if you're only going to church because you were raised in church, you're missing the fact. I don't come here because I was raised in church. I came here because I've been raised in Christ. And you see, I don't care the way the world looks at me because I know this ship is going down and I'm going out with Jesus. Jesus safe on a parachute. It doesn't matter that it temporarily discomfort. It doesn't matter if you look at me weird. I know I need this parachute. I need faith. I need to believe that God has a plan for me because this world cannot be all there is. This world can't be all that we live for. Down deep in our hearts, we have a hole that only God can fill. You look at the world, you'll be distressed. You look inside and try to help yourself, you'll be depressed. You look at Christ, your soul will find rest. And it's not by works, he says in verse 9, so that no one can boast. What's the difference between heaven and hell? Well, it's those who took Jesus at his word. 
I don't get to get raised with Christ, experience a new life, because I did better things than you. I read my Bible better than you. I, I passed the Bible quiz. I prayed more than you. I got more stars next to my name. That's not why Peter was a disciple. That's not why any of them were. They were there by the grace of God, by the love of God. And all they had to do was have that faith to trust him. But you see, when we do trust God by faith, we then see that there's things he wants us to do. So I'm not just supposed to sit on my couch and go, oh, I believe in God and live however I want. Look at how he concludes, for we are God's handiwork. Somebody say, I'm God's masterpiece. Thank you. Created in Christ Jesus to do what? Good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I believe we should do good works. I believe that your life will be different when you leave out of here. But you don't get saved because of your good works. You're saved to do good works. So what comes first, the horse or the cart? What comes first in Christianity, your good works or your faith? It's faith in God that comes first because then you open your heart to his spiritual renovation and then good works come naturally. And so let me just end with this. I used to hate Easter as a pastor. And you may think to yourself, that's crazy. What kind of pastor are you? Well, obviously I'm a pastor who wears shorts and still sweats and preaches a lot. But anyways... That's enough about me. But here's the deal. I used to hate Easter as a pastor. I'm not talking about as a kid being drugged to church because I had to put on a tight tie that, you know, and it's a tight shirt and all that. I couldn't breathe. No. I mean, I just didn't like it. And you know why? It had nothing to do with Jesus being buried and raised from the dead, crucified. It had nothing to do with that. What, what it was was because I always saw so many more people that I didn't see during the week. You know, you know it's just like, whoa, where'd you all come from? Y'all were here last week. And you're gone next week. And so you, you see that happen quite a bit. You start to get upset as a pastor. At least I did. Because, you know, some pastors look at their church like a business. So more people, more customers, more in the offering. Cha-ching, we won. That's not how I look at it. I, I, don't, I don't think I won today. Today's not a home run. Because this is not a consumer-driven church. More offerings don't make me more happy today. Uh, more of you filling the seats don't make a pastor more happy because... I believe I have the heart of Jesus. The win for the church on a day like today is when people get raised with Christ and then they become Christ's disciples. See, that's the win. And I got so discouraged about that because I would see everybody come and even the leaders, they would get all excited and we would do the Jesus plays and it was just, you know, just Jesus would pass out. Oh, there he goes. There Jesus died, you know. And it's, oh, Dito Jesus, he died again. We're so happy. And it's just, you know, when you do this and you see people come. And I'll just be honest, after a while it was just like I don't even take it serious anymore. It, it got to the point where I almost wanted to start whipping people in the churches so they would realize how much pain the man went through because I think you've seen too many white skinny Jesuses up here with some ketchup coming down his face. You don't really get it anymore. Like you've become numb to what he went through. Like I just wanted to show somebody. But then here's what, God, here's what God put in my heart for this Easter, and I believe we've been trying to do these things ever since, and that is to really make it about you again connecting to God. So it's like you've seen your family perform if you've come here, and we're happy about that, and, and you've you know, enjoyed this time together, and there were so many churches you could have gone to, and we're happy that you're here, but I want you to leave out of your race with Christ. That's the win. It's like two weeks from now, if you're not in this church, you're in another good church, and you're being a disciple by faith doing good works. 
and you're noticing that God is, is changing you along the way. And so a year from now, if this is your church, you're standing up here with us testifying. And that's why about two or three weeks before we had this Easter service, I asked our 44 elders and deacons to just go online, go on Facebook, and just post up how Christ raised you up. Just because we don't want people to think it's about another service. And so about 40 of them went up and did it on their Facebooks and posted it up. And so what I want you to do is I want you to listen to it at the end, just a few more testimonies, and know this is a Holy Ghost setup. But there isn't anything up my sleeves because I don't have to shuck and jive or manipulate you. You know where I'm coming from now. I want everyone here to leave out raised with Christ. I want you to experience it. That, that's the reason why Easter is so important to us as Christians. Because when he died, we died with him. When he rose, we rose with him. When you hear these stories, that's all you're simply hearing over and over and over again. I was born a sinner. Here's little Tommy, little Tommy the sinner. There he is. Little Tommy the sinner, he needed to die with Jesus because he had sins. But Jesus took his place. So he doesn't have to go to hell and suffer the wrath of God. But Tommy needs to appropriate that forgiveness by asking for it, by believing that's real. When little Tommy does that, his sins are put to death. His life is buried. That's what baptism represents, by the way. Communion, there's two things the church is commanded to do with y'all all the time. Baptism, communion. You do baptism once, you do communion the rest of your life. Communion represents the cross and what Jesus did. The baptism represents your life being changed at the cross. I come in there dry as a sinner. I confess Christ with my testimony. I'm buried in the ground. I come up new, soaking wet, born from the birth canal of heaven. Can I get an amen? And so as you listen to these testimonies, just see if you can hear the process of what God did. They were sinners. They asked Christ into their heart. He changed them and raised them up with Christ. So that if you leave out of here today the same way you came in, that's no longer my fault. That's your fault. But if you leave out of here today changed, it's by the grace of God. Are you listening? Therefore, we make an appeal to you. I'm Christ's ambassador as though God was speaking through me. This is what Paul said. We implore you. Have I implored you today? Might have stepped on some toes, but have I implored you today? On Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him, look at the serious, but the joy here. Serious, but joyful. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. Jesus took our sins on the cross so that in him we might become what? Some may say the righteousness of God. Amen. Brothers, would you uh, hit the video, I mean, uh, hit the lights for me, please, and then turn this up. I want you all to be blessed by this. And I want to share my testimony with you all and how Jesus Christ saved my life. When I was raised with Christ, November 3rd, 2000, I want to let you know that 17 years have passed since that day, and God has saved me, he's changed me, he's given me a blessed life, I'm living in the resurrected life, and that's what makes me so excited about Easter. I'm going on 10 years of being saved on Easter, uh, April 8th, actually, 2007. But on Easter service 10 years ago, God met me at Metro Praise International. Easter is always a very special time in my life because 11 years ago, um, during an Easter service, I rededicated my life to Christ. I call out to Jesus and I ask him, hey, if you're real, I want you to show up. I, I, I give you everything. 
I know, hey, I'm, I do some really bad stuff, so hey, I repent for that, I'm sorry. But I want you, I want you to show me with what's real. Lo and behold, he shows up. Shows up, and ever since then, I've been changed. You know, learning as I go more and more, but getting a chance to bask in his peace, his love, his grace. And that day, 1999, or the summer of 99, I gave my life to Jesus Christ, and he allowed me to live a new life. He said the old life was gone and the new life was here now, according to 2 Corinthians 5.17. I met Jesus Christ. I prayed. He answered. And the old was gone and the new had come. The drug addiction was gone. The smoking cigarettes was gone. The angriness was gone. The loneliness was gone. Depression gone. Death the desire to die was gone and it was all replaced with love it was all replaced with joy it was all replaced with hope a hope that is unexplainable i gave jesus my sin and my sin is forgiven and because he resurrected i can resurrect from atheism to full-on believer never left the sight of jesus since five years ago in 2011 and what happened was I crossed over from death into life. That even though I was dead in my sins and transgressions, God, who is rich in mercy, made me alive in Christ. He raised me with Christ and seated me in heavenly places with Jesus Christ. And I've never been the same again. God has been amazing to me. He has really made me a new creation. He has really made me his masterpiece. My heart was became all his. I felt refreshed. I got filled with the Holy Spirit. I remember, man, my whole my whole life changing. It really changed my heart. It wasn't just an emotional thing, but I knew God. I heard God, and I gave my life to the Lord that day. And ever since, God has blessed me tremendously. For somebody to die for me, I mean, how much more can you show that you love a person like that? I think that was something that changed my life was realizing that I don't have to do the do the good things you know like it's more than just that it's a relationship now I can say for for eight years I have uh, really wanted to live in the fullness of Christ enjoy my life and live for him and it has just been uh, a radical difference in the way that I see things going through all these things with Christ it's been a journey and in on this journey I have learned so much about what Christ death and resurrection and being raised with Christ really means. For the past five and a half to six years now, um, I've been growing strong in Jesus and my relationship and just continuing to go forward. And he continues to raise me from uh, from one level to the next in my relationship with him. So literally, I am being raised with Christ on a constant basis um, for the past five years. And it's been such a wonderful experience for me. So we want to invite you to experience what we experienced when we became a new creation in Christ. He will come in and change your life like he did mine almost 17 years ago. Live for Jesus today. I want to invite you to make it a priority to put Jesus in your life, repent of your sins, turn so that he can save you. He will make your life more than what you could ever make it on yourself. Nothing in this world is worth it comparing to knowing Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Come on, let's stand up and give it up for Jesus. Amen.